0: You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 579 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you live on this Monday evening into Tuesday morning. First time in a while for a solo podcast of a couple of guests. Please go back and listen to those podcasts. I really appreciate all the patronage. And please subscribe to the show on the Himalaya app because the Himalaya app is free, super easy to use. and has every single podcast that you would love or anything that you're searching for. Check us out there today. Um, all right, we'll get to uh, the content. It's going to be all NBA draft heavy today with some, I guess, um, injection of some Hawks content because there is some, you know, related, you know, side effect kind of stuff to all the draft stuff. But for the most part, a draft focused solo pod today. There was one rumor that hit over the weekend that I did not have time to address because it came up after I recorded the last podcast with Jackson Frank. And that was a um, a, um, a rumbling from Jonathan Gavoni and Mike Schmitz of ESPN about the Hawks and the New York Knicks. And a lot of people asking about this and whether I was going to address it on the podcast. So uh, here we are. The reporting came from those guys from ESPN uh, saying that quote the Knicks had explored the possibility of trading back in the lottery end quote and that the trade, uh, at least the one that they brought up um, unprompted, was the was for the Hawks having their two first rounders and they uh, that basically that was under consideration by the Knicks to go from three down to eight and number ten. Also, that that report indicated that a that quote a move like like this is likely would not happen until the draft was actually underway, as both teams would not, would want to know which players are actually available at number eight before consummating the trade itself. So, on the surface, that's a pretty you know logical trade. You know, to, a pair of lottery picks, pair of top ten picks going up for a number three pick. You know, value value wise, we'll talk more about that in a second. But just on the surface, make does make some sense for both sides, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Then. Ian Begley, who is uh, now working at SNY, but formerly at ESPN New York and covered the Knicks for a long, long time, still is actually, um, reported that, quote, any potential trade between the Knicks and the Hawks involving their first-round picks is currently not under serious consideration by either side. And then he cited a league source with that reporting. So some cold water poured on that report pretty quickly which is why it wasn't a full emergency podcast situation for me on Friday afternoon, and I was also um, doing some uh, busy, busy stuff and traveling this weekend, so there you go on that. But all that to say, there's a lot, a, lot, a lot of angles to explore here. I think a lot of people were assuming that this trade rumor or idea, you know, credible or not, would be for R.J. Barrett. Some of the people Hawk's twi- on, on Hawks Twitter and Hawks fans were assuming that it might be for Cam Reddish because of all the Reddish noise. I got a lot of people asking me about both those guys individually, i said this before about Reddish, but the Hawks do like him. I am uh, very convinced of that, both by my own reporting and other people's reporting. The Hawks do like Cam Reddish. I'm not entirely sure, however, that he'd be de- he would be he would definitely be the guy that the Hawks want to go trade up and get at any cost. There's been some logical stuff put out there from, from, from fans asking me about that, kind of just asserting that the Hawks definitely want Cam Reddish above all else. I'm not ready to go there just yet. I know they like him, but that's kind of where I'll leave it for now. I do think, also keeping in mind, you know, obviously Barrett was the most prominent, you know, discussion point in this because he's the consensus number three pick for the most for most people. With that said, um, Sean Devaney of the Sporting News reported that before the lottery even arrived, that the Hawks wanted Jared Culver of Texas Tech. So a lot of noise out there. I would urge people in general to not get too bogged down into one specific rumor at this very early stage. You know, in theory. Um, tr- trading eight and 10 in the NBA draft for three is probably a good idea because, in a vacuum, you know, taking this draft out of it, you want stars um, ultimately in the NBA. And uh, at number three, you're, more, you're much more likely to get one than at eight or 10. With that said, this class being so flat, I don't love it, frankly. Um, you know, if, if you are certainly someone who thinks RJ Barrett's in that top tier along with Zion or John Morant or um, just all three of those guys together. If you like Barrett that much and think he's a future star, then go ahead and do that kind of trade. Or if you feel the same way about another player, go ahead and pull the trigger. For me, I think it's a little bit flatter than that. I think Zion's in a tier of his own. And then Morant is uh, comfortably ahead of the other guys for me on my on my board. I think Barrett is much, much closer to the Jarrett Culver, DeAndre Hunter tier than he is to Zion, for instance. So... With that said, I would not be over the moon about trading eight and ten up for three. It wouldn't be a disaster because you want to go get your guy. I totally get that. I do think that going up to three, taking Camp Reddish there, would be kind of aggressive because I'm not sure I have him that high. But if you if you took you know Barrett or Culver, I would totally understand that kind of rationale. And uh, frankly, though, at, at this point in time, you know, on the next side, without this is not the Lock on Knicks podcast by any means, but I do want to at least say the Knicks don't make a lot of sense for me to go ahead and go from three down to, down to eight and ten. You know, again, in theory, in a vacuum, sure. But the Knicks have big-time free agent plans. They want to go out and get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving this summer. And um, if you're going to trade the number three pick, you would want to do it for someone who's probably more established and wants to win now. Because if you're if you're going to go out and uh, go out and get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, you want to win right now. And uh, even if you love, if even, even if you absolutely love R.J. Barrett, he probably isn't going to help you win right now as a rookie. Very few rookies actually help you win at a high level right now. So, but if you're going to make that kind of trade, you want to trade that for a more established player, not for two more draft picks. So for the Knicks. You know, I don't love it either. So it's one of those deals that it's one of those rare deals that I'm not sure I like it for either side necessarily, even if it's kind of defensible on both sides. With that said, I think, you know, I was asked this on the radio earlier tonight actually and it's just one of those things where, you know, I'd be pretty surprised if this exact deal happened. I think the Knicks would want more than 8-10, and 10, and I think the Hawks may not want to do that, that kind of trade unless they're in love with one particular player, so keep that in mind. It's it's one rumor. It's already been refuted, and uh, definitely something that I wanted to address on the podcast because I hadn't talked about it just yet, but um, for now, I wouldn't take this one too seriously. Uh, just more of a thought exercise at this point in time to talk about, you know, kind of where you fall in this draft. If you love RJ Barrett or if you love Jarrett Culver, then you might like this trade. If you don't, if you think it's more flat, if you don't, love the uh, star power in this class you might want two swings at it like i would i think just in general i'm not fan i'm not a fan of trading up in this class unless it's to number one overall which obviously is not going to be able to happen with the way that pelicans should be valuing that draft pick of zion williamson so all that to say, um, and it's a lot of information. We'll talk more about that later if there's more, if there's more buzz about that particular tray, but for now, I'm gonna consider this one kind of on the back burner and we'll come back to it if we need to do that. Quickly before we get to the rest of the podcast, do want to tell you uh, quickly that today's show is brought to you by, in part, hotels.com. Don't hate like your friends trip, book your own with hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com, be there, do that, get rewarded. Okay. Next on the agenda is a catch-up on the draft workouts that have been happening for the Hawks in recent days. You know, they took about a week and a half off, actually, um, because of some individual workouts that were happening around the country, some, you know, some agency workouts, um, that kind of stuff. You know, I know the Hawks brass were in Las Vegas. Um, actually, a good friend of the program, Jeff Siegel, was there as well, and got to uh, see some some uh, prospects up close and personal. But uh, lots, lots of traveling and not no, nothing happening at the facility other than just the typical team workouts over about a 10-day period from from May 20th to May 30th. But on May 31st, the Hawks had a pretty interesting workout, actually, in the building in Atlanta. It featured Brandon Clark and Grant Williams as the headliners of Tennessee, uh, sorry, of Gonzaga and Tennessee, respectively. Then a couple of, uh, actually a trio of potential second-round draft picks for the Hawks, Eric Paschal of Villanova, Jalen McDaniels of San Diego State, and Louis King of Oregon, and then Jalen Hans from UCLA, who's an intriguing guy in some ways. I'm not a huge fan, but one of those things where he's definitely a draftable kind of player. So those six guys were in the building. Obviously, Clark and Williams are the headliners. I am high on Brandon Clark. I think he's a top 10 or 12 guy in this class um, pretty easily. I would not necessarily be over the moon about him um, at 8 or 10, necessarily. You know, at 10, he certainly could could be my top guy available. It's at least possible that that would happen. Um, as for Williams, a couple of uh, po- podcast guests that I've had recently, Ben Pfeiffer and Jackson Frank, really like him. A lot of people on the internet are starting to love Grant Williams quite a bit. I'm not quite there. In fact, I would not take him in the top ten. I will say that flatly right now. I think I was, um, you know, previously kind of seeing myself as higher on him because I think the consensus has him as a late first rounder, maybe even an early second rounder. I think the ESPN mock draft that came out this week had him at like 32. That feels really low, but at the same time, 10 feels really high for me. So I would not be looking at that necessarily. But a couple of headline kind of players that were in there and uh, worth monitoring: Clark's shooting stroke got a lot of attention based on some of the videos that were coming out from Kevin Chenard and. Chris Kirchner of uh, of Hawksland, but uh, it's one of those things where um, you know Clark is someone who you have to you have to buy the shooting to love him as a top ten pick. If you don't buy it, I totally get that, and we'll talk more about him as we as we get going here. Then the Hawks had a couple of days off, and there was a June third, which was actually earlier today on Monday workout featuring a little bit of a lower profile um, sextet of players, six players in, but there were two guys who drew a lot of attention. That was Bruno Fernando of Maryland, the big man, and Daniel Gafford of Arkansas two guys who have uh, polarizing profiles in some circles you know I've some I've seen people that um, in my mentions that really like Bruno Fernando a lot of people on peachtreehoops.com hoops.com that, that read the site um, a lot of uh, active commenters that really like Bruno Fernando as like a top 15 10, 15 guy in this class I'm not quite there in fact there's been some people that would consider him at number 10 I would not be doing that necessarily. I think he is someone who could, he probably should be a late first-round pick. Um, he might slip um, into the you know 25 to 30, maybe even 35 range. And as a result, of that could be in play for the Hawks if they were to either stand pat at 35 or come up same with Gafford who probably should have left last year. He was he was a he was a fringe lottery kind of prospect a year ago. Definitely a top 20 kind of guy in the 2018 draft. I left it to come back. Wasn't a bad season for him, but just didn't uh, didn't really improve visibly. And I think the consensus now is that Gafford's more of a top, you know, 35-40 kind of guy in this class. Could be a first rounder pick still without any question about it. Would not surprise anybody if you want in the first round, but those two guys would be the um, for me the only two that will be draftable in Atlanta's range in the top 44 um, that worked out for the Hawks on June 3rd. They were accompanied by Cody Martin of Nevada. Actually, they had his twin brother Caleb in earlier in the process, but Cody was in. He's the more interesting prospect for me, at least. And then Tyus, Battle of Syracuse, Bryce Brown of Auburn, and Marcel Poninka, which I can only do not I can only do not know a ton about him. Um that's that's worth pointing out. But um yeah, just you know, I guess Fernando, Fernando and is definitely the headliner there. Um if the Hawks were to take a center at 35, the, that those two will be two of the prime prospects to go ahead and evaluate in that range. You know, they, they might both be gone. That's definitely in play as well, but both guys are definitely draftable in the top 40 and worth keeping an eye on. Before we get to the last segment. On the pod, I do want to remind you that um, today's show is also brought to you in part by Untuck It, and they sponsor the podcast. If you're looking for a great Father's Day idea, their shirts are specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. No tucking or tailoring required, so go to untuckit.com, promo code NBA to get 20% off. Promo code NBA at untuckit.com to get 20% off. All right, and we're back uh, to talk about one more thing, and that's the ESPN mock draft that came out actually on Monday. For better or worse, ESPN is the most high-profile entity that covers the draft, and those guys—they uh, they, they actually used to run Draft Express. Um, Jonathan Gavoni and Mike Schmitz are very well-known, and they're definitely just—they're just the top—they're um, they're the top guys. I've—I've I've long professed my um, my undying love for Sam Vincini in the in the Athletic, and I hope to have Sam on the podcast pretty soon. He's usually good about coming on before the draft or after the draft or both. I think Sam's the best person doing this. I've said that before. Also, Cole's Wicker is fantastic as an analyst. He's been on this podcast several times as well. There's plenty of people that are around the league that are doing great work. With that said, I think just the most the most eyeballs land on ESPN, so I ended up getting the most questions about ESPN mock drafts. So every single time they come out. I usually want to acknowledge them in some way, shape, or form, and I'll answer the questions that I received as a result of that. Um, so today, it was, it was a new mock draft, and um, unfortunately for content, it was the same top 10 picks that the Hawks have had from ESPN projected for a while now, but it, it actually is interesting in some ways because it's Cam Reddish at number 8, and it's um, Jackson Hayes at number 10. As for Reddish, it was a sort of a, st- a standard top seven off the board in the scenario with Zion Williamson, John Morant, R.J. Barrett, Darius Garland, DeAndre Hunter, Jarrett Culver, and Kobe White unavailable. That's kind of a consensus top seven, and followed by Reddish at number eight. So, no surprises there. If he if that were to, if, that, if that was the way the uh, the draft board played out, I think the Hawks would probably take Reddish there. So, I totally understand why that would be the pick. We'll leave that um we'll leave that there for another day. At number ten. Um, it was those top eight guys gone, plus Seku Demboya went at number nine, and that would leave the Hawks choosing between players like Jackson Hayes, Goga Batazzi, um, Brandon Clark, and uh, Nazir Little potentially as well. Maybe even P.J. Washington would be in the mix there. Um, but I think um, you know Hayes is a pretty interesting pick and one that's often linked to the Hawks in a number of ways. Worth noting also, as we record this, that Chris Kirchner of The Athletic reported early on Monday evening that Hayes will be in for a private workout with the Hawks on Tuesday. That isn't terribly unusual for a prospect projected to be in the lottery to have a private workout. A lot of guys do that, maybe even more than once. It's just one. Of, that's just kind of the way the, um, the, the stuff works, and good on Chris for uh, breaking that news and kind of getting that scoop behind the scenes. Um, I wouldn't necessarily attribute too much to uh, Hayes coming in to, for a private workout because he's a pretty interesting prospect and uh, no reason why the Hawks wouldn't want to take a closer look at him, but um, he definitely is someone who could be in the mix for the Hawks, a very talented guy, very uh, fluid athlete, very long. We'll talk more about him as we get going here. But he uh, um, in recent days, Hayes against Goga has been an interesting topic of conversation because Goga is a bigger, more physical, perhaps more polished offensively kind of player, whereas Hayes is a better athlete, rangier, higher defensive upside to be sure. And if he can shoot it, that's kind of the swing skill for Jackson Hayes, for me at least, offensively as to whether he would fit in Atlanta as whether Hayes could shoot the ball. But um, that's, a, that's a pretty standard pairing in terms of mock drafts with Reddish and Hayes, so no surprises there. Elsewhere in the ESPN mock, it was Dylan w- Dylan Windler of Belmont at number 35, with Bruno Fernando still on the board. I think Hawks fans would revolt if they passed on Fernando at 35 because of all the way that I have uh, heard people talk about Fernando. Everybody loves him apparently in Hawks fandom. But Windler is good uh, and it, it would be a solid pick at 35. He's a very talented, great shooter, um, and uh, would bring a lot of what the Hawks like to the table. At 41, the Hawks actually picked up Auburn Auburn's Chumo Kiki. I love that value. I talked about him a little bit with Ben Pfeiffer as well as a player who's like a top 20 guy, one healthy Um, in this class. uh, He had the ACL tear in the the NCAA tournament. As a result, that's going to fall a little bit potentially, but that'd be a great value at 41. And then um, it's one of those things where, I don't know, Okiki is um, polarizing because if you don't have the medicals, which none of us do, frankly, um, you wouldn't necessarily know how to to fully um, evaluate him. Same with Jontae Porter, who's had uh, had the two ACL surgeries, so his is a little bit more severe. But still, um, if you assume full health um, and a normal recovery time for Chumokiki, then he's sort of a no-brainer pick in the 40s, and that's worth pointing out as well. Number 44 overall is a little bit less sexy. It's uh, Davidus Servitus, um, who is a six-seven kind of shooter combo um, combo wing kind of guy with a shooting pedigree, playing at a high level in Europe. He would fit the um, Push back to the fact that the Hawks have been saying that they don't want five picks. Uh, At least they don't want five rookies for next season. If he was the pick at number 44, it would almost certainly be a draft and stash situation, which makes sense. I'm on record as saying that I think the Hawks are probably going to make a trade at some point during the draft. Um, But if they were to stand pat and make five picks, one of them is almost certainly going to be a stash based on what Travis Schlink has been saying. And uh, he would make sense as um, potentially that guy, considering he's sort of a a dribble pass and shoot player that the Hawks might gravitate towards. And he probably will be there as well. In the mid 40s. So. All that to say, I know it's a lot of information to throw at you um, between a Monday and a Tuesday. I do have a guest planned for Tuesday's podcast, um, at least Tuesday into Wednesday morning. So please stay tuned for all of that content as it's coming. Uh, candidly, I don't want to go too deep into this, but I have some family stuff coming up where I'm going to have some unexpected travel. Um, unfortunately, it's not great necessarily. Uh, offline things for me, I don't want to let that creep into my analysis too much, but we'll do what we can. Sound quality might be an issue for about a week or so as I'm on the road unexpectedly, but we will definitely have podcasts coming to you um, fast and furious. Between now and uh, June 20th, we have about two and a half weeks to go before the NBA draft. And I plan to have at least, you know, four or five, six more guests um, to sort of comprehensively go through the draft. So I want to give you as many voices as possible. I don't always agree with everything that everybody says that I have on the podcast, but it's it's definitely good for uh, feedback and um, letting people kind of make their own conclusions on what they hear from these analysts that uh, I respect. So file that away for the future. We'll have a new podcast coming midweek. Please subscribe to the show on Himalaya. Uh, Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, all those places, and we'll see everybody later on in the week.